Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You are listening to their Burgundy Breakdown podcast with Josh Taylor and Parker Hamlet. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Burgundy Breakdown podcast. Uh, this is the memorial service for the 2019 to 2020 Washington Redskins as our season died on Sunday. Um, as we stand here in memoriam, uh, what are your thoughts, Josh? Well, like you said, postseason hopes are officially done. It was, it was a wild one-week ride. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> pretty much after the like Bears game, I was like, "Yeah, we're not going to the playoffs." Yeah, we're three and nine coming in. They're nine and three. Um, on the last pod, I think I was hopeful. Um, I, I would like to say that they kept it a lot closer than people are going to say they did, and it was uh, it was honestly more competitive than you would think if you actually watched the game. For us being as depleted and morally defeated as we were by the end of it, um, but coming into the game, we're coming off two straight wins. Um. Big game for the Redskins, uh, a lot on the line. Uh, it, okay, so l- let's go ahead and set the facts straight first. Us getting into the playoffs was already like a .5 chance to begin with. Um, I think a lot of us Redskins fans were very uh, hopeless romantics about it. I was one of them. Uh, we needed the Cowboys to lose out. We needed the uh, Philly to win, to lose, I think, three of their next four games. And the Giants were already mathematically eliminated. So we, we had a shot coming into Green Bay. Um but like like we said in the last episode, man, this was no slouch nine and three Packers team coming in. So, um, what are your thoughts on the game, Josh? Uh, anything that really struck you in the face early? Anything you'd like to throw in there? Well, it just seems like every single game starts exactly the same way, and it's like, and that's what kills us. Like in the long run, like, I mean, the Packers get off to a fast start, and we do nothing. Like we have three straight three and out drives, and they have two touchdowns on three drives. Like it's just nothing. So, I mean, like, we dig ourselves into a big hole, and it's like we can never get ourselves out of it. And, oh, like, we, that, that was one thing was, I noticed very early was that the recipe of the last three games has been we get just assaulted in the first quarter and are down 14 nothing, and we basically just have to spend the rest of the first half just playing catch-up, trying to claw ourselves back up from there. I mean, yeah, we did it against the uh, Panthers for sure. I mean, luckily we could actually fight back, but this is Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, so it's a little different. We still had a chance, though. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, this isn't really – this isn't a Packers team that you really, you know, come to grow – come to get used to the last couple of seasons. You know, most of the time, you know, in recent memory, you know, Aaron Rodgers just sends them five wide and just, you know, pretty much coaches the team by himself. But on Sunday, man, I'll tell you, it was it was, it was honestly – like, it was weird because, like, they were a very run-first team. Um, they ran a lot of, like, really safe – you know, concepts like a lot of quick passes, the running back out of the backfield, a lot of a very like a huge dose of running the ball, something I didn't really expect, to be honest. I thought oh. Rodgers was going to, you know, attack our secondary head on. But, you know, with Norman not being on the field and, you know, I mean, a- any quarterback would lick their chops. I mean, no disrespect to Fabian but and Quentin, but, you know, they're not exactly, you know, burning the world down right now. So I expected Devontae Adams to have a career day. I- I'm not saying I didn't expect Aaron Jones to play well, but, you know, like I said, this was a very – smash mouth, you know, run the ball down your throat Packers team that I don't think a lot of people were expecting coming in. Oh, yeah. I mean, Aaron Jones is definitely the difference maker. He was obviously the leading rusher, but the leading receiver also, which, like I said, it's just not like the Green Bay Packers. But it seems like Aaron Rodgers did enough throughout the game to, like, get them out of big spots. And then Aaron Jones just, like, every drive was the killer that just put the nail in the coffin. Yeah, man, that kid's, that kid's special, man. I think there's a statistic that if he has – 
over 40 or 60-something all-purpose yards, they win every single time. So, That's Aaron nice. Jones is having a good game. More than likely going to follow the Packers are going to come out with the win. So, like you said, man, early, you know, we were getting absolutely blown up. Um, Eric Flowers, who's been having a pretty good 2019, was getting just completely handled by Zadarius Smith. Um, shout out to Zadarius Smith for uh, twisting Dwayne Haskins' ankle, though, uh, halfway through the game. I, that, that, you're, right. a for, you're a hoe for that. Um, you know, you see Earl <laughs> Thomas complaining about Lamar Jackson not getting any protection, and you that see, me off, dude. oh my God! I mean, dude, you're riding a high. You got one of the best teams in the league right now. Your quarterback's the front runner for MVP, and you're mad that people are even touching him when he's giving himself up. Haskins was literally play was pretty much already over, and you know, of course, because this is the Redskins, they made nothing of this. But Darius Smith um, grabbed Haskins' ankle. I think it was either well after he heard it or right before he heard it and was trying to twist it around. But, you know, people aren't going to make note of those things. But here at the Burgundy Breakdown, we call it like it is. And uh, I just want to say I lost a lot of respect for Zaria Smith on that. So, Yeah, I mean, he's definitely having a huge season. But that right there was just a killer. But uh, their pass rush was everywhere. I mean, uh, as expected, Preston Smith, Zaria Smith, you know, Kenny Clark, their D-line was absolutely dude, full force. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of – we're talking about good personnel with the Green Bay Packers. Let's go ahead and go to inadequate personnel. Um, number 38 for the Redskins should have been cut right before they even got on the bus to go home. I think is, uh, it was Jeremy Reeves. Rodgers and company were just absolutely taking advantage of him almost the entire game. I, anyone who's lined up on him, Jimmy Graham, Aaron Jones, uh, Lazard, it didn't matter who it was. Aaron Rodgers was finding the weakest link in the, in the secondary, and he was absolutely exploiting it very early and very often. So. Yeah. That's and it's crazy because, like I said, like even throughout the later in the game, like Aaron Rodgers didn't have huge numbers. He only had 195 yards and one touchdown. And like when you think Aaron Rodgers, you think he's gonna pop off for 350 and four touchdowns and just have a field day. But it's really weird. Like if you look at like the stats after the game and just like I said throughout the game, first off, he had all the time in the world. Like, at, oh my god, like, it was it was insane. He he could he like hiked the ball. He could run around. He was just bouncing around. He's like, all right, who do I who do I feel like throwing to? Uh, I don't know. This guy already has five catches. Let me get to somebody else. And, yeah, dude. I mean, he was just pretty much doing what he wanted. I mean, like I said, the defense overall was I'd say frisky, but like you said, man, or like I said, you know, like this has been a very old school Packers team. Aaron Jones inside zone dead up the middle to start them off seven nothing. Ran straight through Landon Collins. I mean, I, Landon Collins, you know. I know he's your boy, Alabama Roll Tide and all that, but I'll tell you, man, when our, our defense has a big, big problem coming up and stopping plays like that. And, you know, I know Landon's having a good season, but th- th- this is a discussion I've been waiting to have with you for a long time, Josh. Um, is this the Landon Collins that you've come to grow in love, or do you feel like he's kind of deteriorated ever since he's been a Washington Redskins? What's, what's your opinion on that? I feel like I can't really, like – I mean, he was obviously better with the Giants just because he forced more turnovers and stuff, but – like honestly, I feel like it comes into play with. I don't think it's. I don't think it's him. I think like he's looking around. He's like, all right, I got freaking Jeremy Reeves. I have Fabian Moreau. I have Monty Nicholson, Simeon Thomas. Like, he doesn't have any supporting cast, and it. I feel like it's. It's got to be something going on in the defense. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with him. Like you said, he didn't have the best game. He got hurt by uh, Jimmy Graham a couple times, but. Like, if you watch, he's really good in the run stop. He comes up. He, you know, people say, oh, he's, don't call him a box safety. Sometimes he is. He's not the best in coverage. But, I don't know. I just feel like we're not utilizing him or we're trying to. But he's literally, like, all we have some games. Like, he's the reliable one. There's Yeah, not- and I, I have no problem agreeing with you on that. I, I agree 100%. But 
I will say that I disagree with you on, on a few mute points. I will say that compared to prior seasons, he's lacked a lot of his physicality. Um, he does lead the National Football League in strong safeties and tackles, and that's impressive. He, I think he has 100 and – I can try to think of it off the top of my head. He, he, has, he has over 100, and it, I think he's leading by a pretty large margin right now. So, that, like you said, he's definitely the standout in that sense. But, when you know, when, when – and I know he like doesn't, doesn't like being called a box safety, but quintessentially that's pretty much what he is to an extent. You know, he's that guy that you expect to step up, you know, blow up the run, and, and make these marquee plays that, you know, we, 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 you know we're paying him, to, paying him to make. And, yeah. you know, I mean, he hasn't, he's done any interceptions in the last two seasons. Um, and like you said, he does make plays, but in a couple times this game, he was, he was kind of a liability in coverage when lined up against people that kind of, you know, outmatched him in certain intangibles. I mean, he, he was shutting Jimmy Graham down. I'll give him credit there. But um, there it is, 105. He leads all sa- uh, strong safeties and tackles at 105. No forced fumbles, no interceptions. But, I mean, you know, like you said, he doesn't have a whole lot surrounding him. And I'm not trying to make this a complete smear campaign, but I will say I expect Landon Collins to come up and make a play like that. I expect him to come up and just blow the box up. And, you know, there's been a couple times in the last two weeks where he's kind of made plays like that, and I've been impressed. But, you know, I just don't think – and this this kind of segues us to our next segment. Um, do you think he is comparable to players like Jamal Adams or Adrian Amos? Do you feel like he's playing on the same level? Do you think that he is an undisputed Pro Bowl strong safety hands down? it's hard to say like you said he just doesn't have like these things that jump out like i'd i'd be okay voting for him but i'd put adrian amos i'd put jamal adams over him um trying to think who else is balling right now those are really the two big names and when it comes to just takeaways in the nfl right now so i don't blame you i mean you got hot clint dicks you got a couple other guys that are that are doing pretty good statistically right now around the league but um i'll play a little game with you um okay i want to play pro bowl one or the other um if you kind of look around Redskins Twitter right now, you'll kind of see that a lot of people are just hopelessly voting for pretty much everybody who's in Burgundy and Gold for the Redskins for the 2019 Pro Bowl. I think that's freaking ludicrous. I, I don't think that everybody on this team, just because they're Redskins, deserves to go to the Pro Bowl. I think there's nothing wrong with voting for people and having, you know, good team morale and supporting your team. But at the same time, if we're being honest with ourselves, there's maybe only four or five, six guys tops. I, I mean, I'd really say four. And, uh, you know, one of the first selections I'm going to give you. Uh, if you had to pick between one of the two, would you pick Jonathan Allen or Deron Payne? Oh, God, I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I literally knew you were going to put those two. Honestly, I think Deron Payne's had a better season. It's been a little quiet, but uh, I think he's he's only got two sacks. Um, but it, it just seems like he's the one guy that like comes up and makes plays throughout the game. Jonathan Allen, he's just like the run stopping right now. I mean, he's got five sacks on the season. He's got more than Deron Payne, but – I don't know. For some reason, Dron Payne stands out to me. But if you're looking we're, at, we're in agreement on Payne. So, like you said, you pretty good job with the stats. I had to do a little bit of homework on this, but Josh, Josh knows his Alabama boys well. Dron Payne on the air is 48 tackles, two sacks. Jonathan Owens 49 tackles and five sacks. I feel like we're gonna throw a little bit of context in here. We need to acknowledge the fact that Matthew Ioannidis is absolutely balling out, and it kind of oh, it kind of dwindles what. Jonathan Allen's doing his comparison. Like you say, he's not having a bad season by any means, but definitely if I had to pick one of the two, I'd totally pick I'd totally pick Ron Payne. So we are both going Payne for the first entry. Um Pro Bowl for Payne, no bowl for Yeah. yeah. So the second installment's a, a tough one too. Um, but you gotta pick one, right? All right. Oh. So cornerback Quentin Dunbar or strong safety Landon Collins. Oh man, it's, it I you gotta give it to Dunny. Like he absolutely deserves to be in it. Like even, like, just on our team in general, I'd say 
he's probably like our second like most obvious vote to go in. Absolutely. I mean, he's got around 40 tackles, yeah. four interceptions. Dude's having a just a career year. He's been probably the cornerstone of our secondary in 2019, that's for sure. He's outplayed Josh Norman no matter the salary. And You know, like I said, dude was in the league as a – what position did he play before? I'm trying to remember. When he, he was, was a wide receiver at Florida. Yeah, he was a wide receiver at Florida, went to Jacksonville, then we saw uh, Gruden – Brought him over and kind of converted him to a corner, and he he was a he was a project. We're freaking number forty seven, but the dude, you know, then he switched to twenty three, and you know, just started turning and just to an all pro corner man. I mean, PFF J ever did for the team. Yeah, yeah, and that's why Quentin Quentin respects him, and I don't, I don't blame guys like Quentin being upset because I mean, you know, if it wasn't for Jay taking that chance on him, I really don't know where he'd be. But it nonetheless, you know, all credit goes to Quentin Mann, too, because, I mean, it's absolutely remarkable the turnaround he made in his career and just to completely convert into probably one of the best corners in the NFL, definitely in the NFC East. So, yeah, we're going to go ahead and give that one to Dunbar. Sorry, Landon. We love you. You heard us screaming at, at training camp. So, yes, um, <laughs> roll time. Um, so the next one, um, I feel like I know your answer on this one as well, but I got to ask um, Eric Flowers. Okay. Or Brandon Scherf, Brandon battle, Scherf. battle of the guards. I knew you were going to say that one seriously. It's got to be Eric, Eric Flowers. Absolutely, dude. He's, I mean, he's killing it this season. And I legit, like, crucified this man throughout, like, preseason and training camp when we signed him. And we stuff. were laughing at camp. I remember. I mean, we literally just thought he was a joke. Like, I mean, we thought he was going to get cut for, for 53 even came out. Yeah, no, I, I didn't think he was going to make the team, like I said, but, like, Sheriff, he's done the complete opposite. Like we had the highest hopes on him, and he's just looked terrible. And then he's going into a contract season, man. And I'll tell you, like on Sunday, man, against Green Bay, and I know we're getting a little bit straight from that, but you know, during the Packers game, man, he just looked lost out there. He was passing off, <laughs> he was passing uh-huh. off assignments to people that weren't even standing there. It's like, dude, he, he looks terrible. And like you said, like people were saying before the season that he's probably gonna be our franchise tag. I pray to God he's not. Like, I don't know who the heck I would even use it on. But I, I mean, honestly, I'm not mad about him being the franchise tag because, I mean, maybe, you know, next year we're a lot more cohesive as a unit and, you know, we've got a lot more chemistry on offense because, I mean, the offense all in all right now has been very, very wishy-washy. And, you know, I mean, sometimes people have bad years. Sometimes people have good years. It's, it's very night and day in the NFL. But, I mean, I won't be upset if he gets the extension. But like you said, he definitely hasn't played at that elite level where he totally deserves, you know, top-tier money. He wants to be the highest-paid guard in the NFL. Oh man, I you know he's he's got a long ways to go for that. Yeah. So, um, next one's a tough one. Um, I, I feel like I know your answer since I know you pretty well. Um, Ryan Kerrigan or <laughs> Matthew Ioannidis? No, that's 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 probably the most obvious one. It's got to be Matt Ioannidis. I saw a uh, graph literally a couple minutes ago that showed that Ryan Kerrigan was like bottom three pass rushers in the NFL. Yeah, people uh-huh. never talk about the bad statistics, so it, it, it was good of you to shed light on that. Um, I mean, he's ha- he's come up some since we started roasting him, but he's still like one of the top bottom four. It said that he was the least double teamed, or he's like the second least uh, double teamed edge rusher edge rusher in the NFL and has the uh, least success rate. Oh hell yeah, that, that's a great stat because you know yeah. you hear a lot of people say, oh well, he's getting doubled, and you know well he's so reliable. Well if he's so reliable then. Why does he have 25 tackles? Ionitis has 55 tackles. Why does he have 5.5 sacks? And why does Ionitis have 7.5 sacks? I mean, especially like, when you consider where Ionitis was drafted, and he receives way more, you know, double teams due to the fact that he's an interior defensive lineman. So, I mean. Oh, yeah. He wreaks havoc. And Kerrigan, we've said it before, he just runs past the quarterback. I've seen – I saw him do it like four times against Aaron Rodgers. Like, he just runs past him and then gives up on the play. 
Yeah, and I don't and I and I man, he gets those sacks and like marquee moments. He he got a huge one on Sunday and pushed them pretty much back to their own end zone. Aaron Rodgers followed that up with one of the best freaking throws I've ever seen, threaded the needle. But but nonetheless, Ionitis is becoming pretty much the the freaking silverback of our defensive line, man. He's absolutely wrecking shop. And it, we signed him to a very team friendly deal this oh, offseason too. So that, that was that was a really good deal. I'm I'm glad we got that before the season started. Yeah, I think he's a top three player on this team for sure. I'd definitely put him at number three. Now, number two and number one is kind of up to your guys' discretion. I didn't make any mini games on these two because these two definitely deserve to be, you know, at Hawaii. Um, punter Trustway and, and rookie wide receiver Terry McLaurin. I mean, they're no-brainers, man. They're having absolutely stellar seasons, elite, best-in-the-league seasons. I mean, do, tell us a little bit more about Trustway, Josh. I know you're a big Trustway guy. Well, we said it last week. Trustway, it was like his second – uh, touchback of the season. He deserved it last year, and he's having an even better year this year. So it's just – it blows my mind. Like, there's no one else doing anything even close to what he's doing. No, I mean, he's 24 punts inside the 20. He's punted for damn near 4,000 yards, uh, 50 yards average on a punt. That That is insane. I know some people don't really understand, you know, the context of that and don't really think that that's that impressive of a number. But when you, when you just see where he puts the ball – and how consistent of a rate he does it as. I mean, it's just – it's second to none. Yeah, I mean, like you said, since we're the Redskins, we don't get any kind of, like, Pro Bowl votes. So, that's the only thing that ever holds us against that. But he's been balling. And Terry McLaurin, dude. Oh, my God. Most electrifying player, I think, we've – receiver we've had since Santana. No question. It's funny because I had a talk with someone, like, before the season saying, like, our history of, like, drafting wide receivers and how bad it is. But I think this draft, like, with him and Harmon was probably, like, the best wide receiver draft since, like, that year. I think we got Santana Moss in, like, 2001 or 2002. But... Yeah, it's been a long time since we've gotten a receiver of, the, of this caliber. And yeah. he, you know, practically fell into our laps. You know, you can really say whatever you want for why he was drafted, the Ohio State connection, um, the fact that he was probably the best player on the board. But, I mean, the, the facts are that no one in the league really expected him to perform at the level he's performing at. He's got 46 receptions for 703 yards, averages 15.3 yards a catch, six touchdowns. I mean, he's he's got amazing numbers compared to guys like Devontae Adams and Keenan Allen and all these, you know, well-established NFL pro receivers. I mean, he's running routes better than them. He's got better statistics than them. And he's playing on a team that just has one of the most stagnant offenses in the NFL right now. And he is – done nothing but be pretty much the diamond in the rough and he's done it consistently to the point where they pretty much mid-season had to pretty much adjust him like he's you know a game breaker yeah what's really sad is that the Packers had 11 different guys put in some kind of receiving stats and if you look at the uh, Redskins there's only four Terry Chris Thompson Steven Sims and Kelvin Harmon and Kelvin you know I'm I'm definitely not going to dwindle on Kelvin Harmon I know you just spoke of him he has become a guy that, that Dwayne can really rely on um Paul Richardson, you know, he looked great on paper coming from Seattle. Looked like a guy that we kind of snug off the market that could come in and make some plays, but he's done nothing really than just kind of sit on the sidelines since he's been here. Um, Trey Quinn's had an absolutely abysmal midseason and probably rest of the season. I think he's lost not only the team, the coaches, but probably the fan base as well totally in the process. Um, and speaking so, of Trey Quinn, I, I, I mean, we, we said that, you know, who we think should be in the Pro Bowl. I told you yesterday, I saw someone literally vote for Jeremy Sprinkle, and I legit oh busted that laugh. That is the whole reason this segment exists, people. Just because someone is on your team and they're eligible to be voted for does not mean that they should be in the Pro Bowl. Like, don't get me wrong, we are not represented well in the Pro Bowl probably ever, 
But at the same time, us sitting here gassing up goofy ass dudes like Jeremy Sprinkle makes us look <laughs> silly, dude. I and mean, Trey Quinn, like if yeah, you, someone like, voted for Trey Quinn. What? Yeah, dude, I saw like three or four people. Like I was legit like searching hashtags like Pro Bowl votes. Oh my! And God. I, I saw some Trey Quinn, and I was like, I don't know if they went to SMU or like what. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Trey Quinn's season has been trending most of the offseason, but I mean, he's he's single handedly axe murdered any momentum he's had. Because of all the mistakes he's been making. And like I said, man, Harmon, dude, I mean, there's this concept that they're running where I guess he runs like a quick slant or like a stop and go. I, I don't know what the route is, but it's like Haskins always finds him. And yeah. they get this huge gain on third down at least once a game. I mean, he's becoming Mr. Reliable, man. And I, I guess that's due to the fact that him and Haskins have a long history together. You know, they work out together in the offseason, went to the same high school. They're, they're good friends. But still, man, I, everybody's talking about how bad this wide receiver room is. And don't get me wrong, I'm foaming at the mouth and thought of Jerry Judy as well. But at the same time, I mean, if we weren't to acquire anybody, I think we'd be all right. Yeah, I've seen a lot of uh, uh, draft breakdowns actually have us getting Jerry Judy, which would obviously be okay with me. As oh, you know. I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be mad about it. <laughs> But to me, this was like Steven Sims coming out party at slot, too. Like, he definitely showed. Oh, hell yeah. I, shout out to Steven, Steven Sims, man. I, don't, I forgot to even mention him. And he, like, a couple plays, he would like he was, like, looking for contact. Like, that one time he went out of bounds. He stayed in for, like, two extra yards just to, like, lower the shoulder against the uh, corner. So. Yeah, dude. KOC's putting him in the right spots to make plays, man. And he's definitely taking advantage of it with that, you know, like I said, with Trey and Paul being out. So, but yeah. um, I don't know I, where Trey Quinn's going to play next season. That's <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's a legit question. He's not but, gonna be a- I mean I know I said four, but if I were to give three definitive votes to the Pro Bowl, I'd, it'd probably be Matthew Ioannidis, Terry McLaurin, Tressway. Those are the three guys that I feel like are playing at an elite level right now in the NFL, and they totally deserve to be recognized as all pros. So I'd put Dunbar on that list. Oh, Dunbar! I, if I had th- yeah three or four, those those would be the three or four for sure. Brinkle might make the cut as honorable mention. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> shut up. Highly doubt it. <laughs> but- it, just, it, it. It just kills me, like. Guys, if you're going to vote, I mean, I know it's not the election. Like, you can vote as much as you want. It's not that serious. But Make at the same time, like, you're making people <laughs> who cover the team look pretty bad. Yeah, people that actually have to count the votes, they're like, oh, my God. Who the it's f- like, what, you really just added 10 seconds of life haven't even, like, acknowledged that Jeremy Sprinkle even plays in the NFL. <laughs> to me, that's the most glaring, one of the most glaring needs this offseason is, is freaking yeah. tight end, man. It's, it's insane. Let, let my man Michael Vick be a freaking honorable coach or whatever they're asking him to do for it. Like for crying out loud, people signing petitions that Vic. Oh my God! Don't get me wrong, man. What what Vic did was messed up. I'm no activist, but at the same time, I mean, I I, I think about it from the perspective of if that were my dog, how would I feel about it? And and don't get me wrong, it's a sensitive subject, and I feel like what he did was messed up. But the thing is, Michael has done nothing but show complete remorse for everything he's done. He's done everything he's supposed to off the field. He's he's done everything that's been asked of him. He's served his time, and he's he's become a freaking philanthropist for animal rights and. You know, I mean, he, oh, he's done a lot. Yeah. He's he's made right by it. And, you know, I feel like people should be a little bit more open minded. And there are some instances where I feel like forgiveness is an option. I feel like this is one of them. But people are going to have their dispositions against him. I mean, what he did was messed up and he'll tell you what he did was messed up. But at the yeah, same time, the, man, you know, people, the Pro Bowl, not the Puppy Bowl. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. Just let it go, guys. Come on. But um, back to this game. Um, Our offense continued to die on the cross and sacrifice our playoff hopes. Um, Air. You know, freaking screen. Three and out, screen, three and out, you know, run, run, pass. Um, Third and long screen, it's like – it's not even like it's obtainable. It's like we know that it's like third and ten or more. It's like third and 15 bare minimum. It cares. He's like, screen! (laughs) Screen! I'm putting Dwayne in a position where he is to make an NFL throw. Screw that. We're the Redskins. Coach Callie's going to be pissed at me if I do that. 
Like, we might as well punt it on third down. Yeah, dude. I mean, speaking of run-run pass, is it ever really, like, manifest in your head, too, when you're watching the game that they, they don't ever give the guys first freaking, you know, snap throwing the ball until third down? And and it's it's not even third and manageable. It's always, like, third and 11, third and 10. It, it, they, it, like, I, I'm just saying, every time I notice that when we're in a game and we're coming out and trying to set tempo on offense, we, we just try to run the ball, we'll fail twice, and then we'll let Dwayne throw on third down. And we already know that he's lacking weapons as it is. So you really expect – a rookie who played one freaking season of college football at Ohio State to come in and just be able to carve apart, carve apart a good defense like the Packers defense. You know what I'm saying? I just I feel like the format on offense is becoming very stale, and teams are just coming to expect it. The most, like, old-fashioned, like – Absolutely. Outdated. Like, and it's funny that you say that because I saw another chart. I'm all about charts and stats. I'm not like Bill Belichick where he says, screw your analytics. Um, <laughs> I, like, it, it said that we were the – we have the lowest – percentage of pass plays on early downs in the NFL. That's a problem, man. That's literally the lowest in the NFL. And I don't know if it's Bill Callahan or like our lack of confidence in our passing game or what. I mean, how do you expect Dwayne to become an elite passer at the next level when he's not getting his, you know, first reps until third down where, you know, the next down you're off the field if you don't convert. I mean, that's, I I mean, maybe you're teaching him to, you know, be more accurate and, you know, kind of learn to decrease his reps and think, give him the mindset of, you know, I got to make a play now. I'm not going to get three more chances. But at the same time, man, some of the best offenses in the NFL are definitely not run first. I mean, you, this kid's got a freaking elite arm talent. And, you know, he can put the ball where it needs to go. And I don't really understand how you expect him to become more accurate or really, you know, get in the rhythm at all. I mean, the, the best the, the best moments of his game are when there's two minutes left and he's got to drive us down the field. Like late in this game, right at halftime for the for the Panthers game, he was going well, – those two-minute drills, man, he looks great. It doesn't look like he's lacking ability. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll hear the pessimist, oh, well, he's only doing that in prevent. No, he's done it, and right before halftime, he's, he's done it in other situations where they just kind of let him run the offense and, you know – give him three or four reads, and he just has to make a play, and he's done it. He made a freaking hell of a play at the end of this game to try to put it within one, a one-score game. But, you know, you, you just got to give him more opportunities, man. I understand you want to run the ball. You want to take some pressure off him. But at the same time, eventually he's going to have to deal with that pressure, and he's going to have to learn how to make those throws, and he's going to have to learn how to, you know, be down by 14 points and not run the ball and have to pretty much throw his way back into the lead or throw his way back into the game, you know? I mean, it just makes me, like, wonder if Kevin O'Connell and – uh Callahan know what play action is because I mean it, it's like like our offense is begging for some kind of like boot like play action boot some kind of rollout like anything. As they much ran as- a lot of that in the preseason, like a lot of it and to the point where it was he looked comfortable and confident out there. But now it's just like AP guys and then you know try to give a quick ball and maybe Terry or Kelvin. But I just it's very predictable to me. If I was a defensive coordinator, I would be absolutely foaming at the mouth to play a team like the Redskins. I mean Dwayne's just. Big, tall, looks the part, standing in the pocket, waiting to get lit up on third down. So you know when to send the pressure. So, I mean, it's just very predictable. Yeah, it's just – it's – I mean, it's it, like I said, if we don't run for over, like, four or five yards in the first play of the drive, like, it's automatically shut down. Exactly. I mean, we have no chance. I mean – Which we're famous at three and outs. I mean, like I said, first first drives of the game, three and out, three and out, three and yeah, out. Yeah, like I said, they, they were up seven nothing, man, and then – they got the ball back again, and number 85 for the Packers, I didn't care enough to even write his name down in scores. They're, they go up 14 nothing. you know. Like we said, a, a start very similar to Carolina. Robert Tunyon. I've never heard him. Oh, my him. God. Jeez. Sounds like a damn appetizer at Outback. These damn dudes. <laughs> These dudes were stocking shelves a week ago, and we're making them look like Robert Gronkowski. I, I just don't understand. It's like Ryan Griffin. That dude literally got a contract extension because of us, and that's the only game he's played even remotely decent in this season. I mean, watch. I guarantee you tonight versus the freaking Ravens, he does nothing. 
guarantee oh, he, it. He's on the IR. He broke his ankle. <laughs> oh, my God. We literally saved this dude's career, dog. <laughs> he got a paycheck before he got saved. Oh, my. Off one game. I mean, yeah. you know, at the same time, we ended the Ron Rivera era. And I don't know. I feel like we're getting people paid. We got Shaq Thompson paid, too. So, shout out, buddy. You know. Congrats. <laughs> but, no, I mean, it was, it was bad, like you said. So, like, right off the bat, I mean, a lot of people were checking out of this game early. Oh, early. I mean, you have the Ravens and the 49ers, which that's another topic. We'll talk about the Ravens because that was something I've been seeing a lot of. But um, when you have that game on, like a lot of people checked out this one early. I saw people saying. Yeah, right. yeah, Ravens and 49ers last week and then the Saints and the um, 49ers this week. It was some freaking heavyweight fights, man. Heavyweight fights. It's nuts. I mean, like it's just – and we're, we're close. Like you said, a lot of these Redskins – Fans probably live right outside Baltimore, live in Maryland. So Yeah, man, a lot of them are converting. And, you know, we were in a hostile environment, be it Lambeau. I mean, I heard that the team, the fans dra- travel pretty well. God knows they show up everywhere with FedEx sometimes. But um, <laughs> even after we were down 14 nothing, man, you know, we, we were still having some mishaps. Um, Dwayne missed a deep ball to Terry, and Preston Smith tried to make Haskins evaporate. He hit him so damn hard. I, I thought he was going <laughs> to disintegrate when he got hit. I mean, it was insane how hard he hit him. It was completely defenseless. So, and then I think Preston caught him again on the drive, and that's when he got hurt. Yeah. So, this has been a very hot topic of discussion in the Redskins fandom is uh, the, you know, what what is everyone's take on the Dwayne Haskins injury? Um, let me ask you a question there, Josh. If, if you were Coach Callahan um, in, in this situation, down 14 nothing on the road, playoffs on the line, you know, I mean, some would call lost season. It really depends on who you ask. Would you have kept Dwayne Haskins in the game? I mean, at the time, like, I might have. But after that play where he, like, missed the handoff with AP just because he couldn't get a step off in time. I mean, th- to a point, that gets to, like, the RG3 game. Oh, yeah, my RG3 PTSD was in full effect. Dude, I was like, God, no. Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm just seeing happy. Robert hobble around out there dragging his leg. It's all I see. Yeah, no, like after that, I was like, take this guy out. But Callahan said after the game, like, there was not even a thought of taking him out, which is yeah, pretty funny. He, he didn't even go to the tent. Apparently, you know, they diagnosed him with an ankle sprain. And I feel like because of that, of it not being diagnosed as a serious injury, that's why guys like Kevin Sheenan are really confident coming out and saying, oh, Dwayne's faking injuries. I, I tell you, bro, that 106.7 just needs to change their name to just the right. Haskins hate club. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's got- insane to me, you know. I feel like just because it's your job and you get paid for it, you know, I, I'll, I'll try to respect your opinion to a certain extent. But when you don't even know what, you know, TMC means, I'm, I really – I, I kind of start to take what you say a lot less seriously. No. And, like, we, we – like, shout out to one of our followers. Uh, her name's Heather. But she – Oh, yeah, she's like, dope. Shout out dude, to Heather. <laughs> love her. She's, one, she's probably my favorite, our favorite follower. Probably shouldn't have favorites, but she is. But, like, she went and got a bunch of uh, pictures of, like, like – Everybody in the league retweets stuff about themselves, like going back. Oh, yeah. I actually put this in my notes. So, shout out to you, Heather. You kind of helped out the pod a little bit. I, this is something yeah. I didn't even notice until she brought it to my attention. Well, Terry's doing well. it after the game. Like, Terry's always retweeting himself. I mean, bro, let's be real, guys. You can you can say Dwayne's an egomaniac. You can say Terry's an egomaniac. But if you're balling out, man, and you're succeeding in the National Football League and you've worked your whole life for this, what is wrong with you retweeting your hard work? What's wrong with that? Are you saying that they can't post highlights of themselves? What? It's that that makes no sense to me. I, I said the same thing. I'm like, oh, so people shouldn't post, like, vote for me for the Pro Bowl. Like, oh, you're you're being, like, that's terrible of character. Like, that's a red flag. Like, yeah. no, that's what people do. Like, Yeah, but- and, not, and not just that, man, but I feel like a lot uh, – another big topic of discussion, we'll kind of try to trickle off that, is that 
a lot of people feel like Haskins has already hit a ceiling and that, you know, you can try to put context on him playing these bad games, but then the day, what point are the excuses? And I guess that's where Sheenan feels like his ankle was an excuse. But I mean, you know, I, I guess he was trying to say that Dwayne was faking his injury so that he looked, you know, like a tough guy out there playing through it. And, you know, like, like he did with his wrist in the Carolina game. He feels like these are things that Dwayne is saying to make himself look better or excuse bad play. Um, but I will say, Josh, at what point does do you feel like context is kind of, you know, not an excuse anymore and you really have to just say, hey, he's having a bad game? I mean, I'm not one of those people that thinks he's playing bad, but I will say that I can understand where people feel like he's not playing at, uh, at a high level. He's well, definitely- yeah, I can't defend him. I can't sit here and say, oh, well, he's he, he's not playing bad. He's balling out. Like, I can't sit here and say yeah. that. I mean, and you got guys in the league like Drew Locke balling out. Let me just go ahead and acknowledge this, take this head on. Um, there's a big difference between having Noah Font and Jeremy Sprinkle. <laughs> there is a big difference between having all-pro running back Philip Lindsay and Darius Geis, who cannot stay on the field. And there is a big difference between Fabian Monroe and Chris Harris Jr. on defense and Von Miller and, and Ryan Kerrigan. Do, do, I have to, do I have to go any further with that? Yeah, I, I mean – a defense, like I would say, especially, but like you said, like they just it might they were a winning team before they even got Drew Lock. I know they've kind of been on the decline lately. They still have the integral pieces of that 2015 Super Bowl, though, man. I mean, they've still got Chris Harris, they still got Von Miller. Um, you know, they still have talent on their roster. I could sit here and name every single player on their team that's good, but at the end of the day, I mean, all they've really been missing is a quarterback. And if Elway could get his head out of his you know, ancient ass and figure that out. I'm glad that he, I'm glad they took Drew Locke, but you know, guys like JP and other people were high on Locke coming in the draft and thought that was the guy we should have taken, but they weren't bold enough to say we should have taken him first round. So, I mean, I'm happy for Drew Locke. I, you know, I'm glad he's playing well. I'm rooting for the kid. I liked him at Mizzou. I thought he got kind of crapped on in the pre-draft process. And I, to me, Hans, yeah, that's 2020, man. I'm not trying to change the past. Yeah. I mean, like I said, in like Cortland Sutton, he's a beast. Very yeah, having a great season. But, I mean, like you said, just and, – and look how long Drew Locke played in college. Like you said, he was at Missouri, and he played terrible against really good teams. Like, that's the one thing that – Yeah, dude. I mean, he was like the Kirk Cousins of college football. That's why nobody was like, oh, my God, that's my guy. That's why they took Daniel Jones over him. You know but what I'm saying? It's just that whole experience thing, and we've said it before. I mean, I know, like, Haskins just turned, what, 22, like – few weeks ago yeah i mean these these dc media guys see him as just some stupid kid just like they think i'm some stupid kid or you're some stupid kid there are plenty of guys in the media that aren't like that you know shout out to the guys at redskins talk pod and a couple other guys that you know i i, I could say your name not everybody's like that but i mean quite frankly i don't blame Hassans for block, blocking guys like grant i mean when you're constantly just adding me and saying negative shit about me that oh, yeah. and with no context and you weren't this harsh on other people and, and I can clearly see your bias and what you're typing. Why do I want to read that? Why do I want to waste my time on some dude who has never even played the sport at this level? And quite frankly, you know, his, his opinion has almost no significance in Dwayne Haskins life. I mean, you know, I understand the media is there, they have their job and, you know, we're going to talk about stuff and, you know, I'm not saying, I, I'm not saying that he's an upper echelon human being and, you know, we're just little people, but what I'm saying is at the end of the day, Dwayne Haskins really shouldn't care about what Grant has to say. And I mean, who knows how much crap he's getting tagged in, getting sent, vice versa. We don't know what Grant's done to him. I, we don't know the whole story, but I will say that with all that negative noise coming in when, you know, Dwayne's done nothing but be respectful to the media and, you know, doesn't have any, you know, off-the-field issues. Dwayne's a good kid, man. And just for them to sit here and just completely barrage him every week with the selfies, with the number change. I mean, I could sit here and we could have a whole podcast just on 
stupid things that Dwayne Haskins is getting just completely harassed about. I mean, yeah, I don't blame him. I'd block Grant too. On them and that we that half of the organization or front office or head coach didn't want to draft them. Like, yeah, dude. I mean, it's just constant dude. negativity, and you guys and, and people wonder why things aren't going to change. And then, out of all of it, the one thing that you have just the the guts to question is his toughness. Are you absolutely kidding me? This kid is getting just completely destroyed every game. I mean, he is getting hit a lot. I think in the fourth quarter, I think he had been hit. He'd been sacked four times, hit 12, and had almost 20 hurries. He's getting hit, guys. Like, you cannot question this kid's toughness. He is he is standing in the pocket and making throws. I think one of those really nasty hits he took from Preston, he threw a quick slant to Terry on either third, third or fourth down. He stood there knowing Preston Smith was coming at him full speed, all pro linebacker coming at him full speed to hit him. And he stood in the pocket, and he made the throw, got the first down, and got right back up. And you guys are going to sit here and question his toughness. That's just completely funny to me. That's like questioning Ben Roethlisberger's toughness. Yeah, and then, I mean, guys like uh, Drew Carey, I mean, uh, Grant Paulson, <laughs> just, just sit at home and just <laughs> sit in the studio and, like, roast this guy. But, yeah, like, dude, you're freaking geek, man. Go tweet about the Wizards and shut up. Like, no one cares what you have to say. The Mystics. But, I mean, like I said, like, he – and I'll say it again – Drew Locke played four years at Missouri, played in the SEC. Like, this kid has four years of experience. Haskins doesn't have that. And, like, we've said this all along. It's an experiment. But, I mean, this kid's getting killed out there. I'm not going to lie. Like, Yeah, he does not have a clean pocket. Dude, it's bad. And, like, every week it seems like someone, like, falls off. And, like you said, this week Sheriff got ate up. Flowers didn't have his best game. No, Morgan Moses was showing us. Reminding us who he was, getting penalized. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and that's another thing. Every time Dwayne gets a clean pocket, I swear to God, it's holding. But you know, you got Green Bay over here, got their hands down um, Deron Payne's throat on fourth down with a three-man rush right in front of the freaking line judge, and they're not throwing any flags. So, I mean, look, guys, you can sit here and say context doesn't matter and excuses are excuses, but at the end of the day, that stuff matters. Football is a very it's down to the details, man. That's why Belichick's been good for so long. He cares about the little things. And when you're not even good at doing the little things, you're not going to be a successful football team. And that's why we were struggling against the Packers, man. Yeah, and the Packers have a legit offensive line. Uh, what's the name? Bakatari or however the heck you pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, dude, they were they were killing it out there. I mean, we it's definitely put up a fight. Our, our guys put up a fight, for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, like I said, like, we held up, but we just – the beginning of the game, we kill ourselves. And – after that, like, that's where most of Rodgers' stats were. After that, he didn't really do much. Like, he made the big plays on, like, third down, fourth down. Like, and one thing, like, there was a play where it was, like, third down and long. Or it was fourth down, and the clock hit zero for, like, a solid, like, two or three seconds. Yeah, and, and everybody in my house, so I was watching, like, four or five people were screaming delay a game. Yeah. And, of course, they picked it up on, like, fourth and four. Oh, absolutely. And I, I'll tell you one thing that I noticed during this game is that Devontae and Aaron were not on the same page. I, I don't think Devontae Adams was and, and Rodgers ever got in sync during this game. He was not getting open. He definitely didn't have a, you know, a day you would expect Devontae Adams to have. So No, it, when you have Dunbar getting hurt, like, I mean, yeah, more Fabian getting hurt, Kerrigan eventually getting hurt. So, I mean, this was just a freaking body bag game for the Redskins, man. And, and speaking of injuries, um, we're going to go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room, the thing that it's kind of a sore subject around the Redskins fan base right now, and it's something that I hate to even have to discuss, but it, it, it needs to be talked about. Um, we opened the drive up right before halftime, our eventual scoring drive, with a couple runs by our committee of uh, veteran Hall of Fame running back Adrian Peterson, the young up-and-comer coming off of an injury, Darius Geis. Um, Darius busted a huge run to the right side, was going to the right sideline, and I think Amos came over and just hit him straight in the knee and 
Darnell Savage. Darnell, oh, it was Darnell Savage. Sorry, guys. Um, you know, and hit Darius straight in the knee, and Darius went down, man. And I, I, my house got quiet. You know, everybody immediately assumed the worst. I mean, I hate to say that because I mean, the poor kid's been through enough, man. You know, got benched his rookie season after that uh big run in the preseason against the Patriots. You know, tore his ACL. Um, then there was the injury scare uh, this preseason against Atlanta. So he's he's already been through the ringer, man. He's already been in rehab more than he's been on the field. And, you know, we were hoping that that was going to be one of the bright spots to close the year was that, you know, he was in good health and he was showing that he was worth the pick. But this was the absolute worst-case scenario. And the tough question that not only we have started asking ourselves, but the Redskins have started asking themselves is, can you rely on Darius Geis? Is he worth the investment at this point? And, I mean, I took it to Twitter, and I had some hot responses. I had some people agree. Some people say that we were crazy. But, I mean, we talked about it not too long ago. Like, we both didn't really want Chris Thompson around. People were like, why not? I mean, cap space, I mean, I'll look up his uh, his contract coming up. But he hasn't had a single, like, healthy season. He has not been a good running back since Kirk Cousins was in the building, if we're being yeah. honest with ourselves, and has not stayed on the field ever since. I love Chris Thompson. But, you know, I mean, he's kind of isolated himself a little bit. You know, not only is he injured, but when – Gruden got fired, man. He he spoke more in the media in that one week than he ever did since he'd been here. So, I mean, it's it's not just the money. It's not just the contract. It's a bunch of different things. They're blending into one. And, you know, we got Bryce Love in build, man. But that's another kid that, you know, got injured in college and is hoping to make his de- debut next year. Our running back with the room, with the exception of Adrian Peterson, is very, very questionable right now. And, you know, guys got very fired up when people brought this up. And, you know, I – I hate to even say it because I don't I, I, I don't want to say he is, but, I mean, people are going to start having the discussion of, is he injury prone? And, and it's it's a legit concern because what I was saying on Twitter was, AP, he'll probably play one more year. I don't see him playing after that. Absolutely so, not, yeah. I think he's going to hang it up. He's just trying to pad his stats a little bit more. He likes being in D.C. He's thankful for the opportunity. But like you said, maybe one more season. So, like, after that, if guys can't stay healthy – what do you have? Chris Thompson, who isn't a good runner. He's more of a receiver. Like We, we can't make that. a judgment on Bryce Love yet. He hasn't played it down. No, And, and he had a setback this season. Man. I'm like, he hasn't run yet. Like You have no idea how he's going to come back. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, man. I was absolutely ecstatic when we took him. We got him on a, you know, a, I think it was – you, you have to remember what round it was? I mean, we got him kind of later. Bryce Love, he was round four. Yeah, round four. I mean, you know, a lot of people said that was a reach. I thought it was a great pick. That dude, in my opinion, was the – undoubtable you know he was definitely my vote for Heisman until he got hurt at Stanford so but like you said man we gotta we don't really know what we have right now and you know I mean it could have been a lot worse for guys he only has a sprained MCL um but I and I understand that you know he's staying positive uh, not everybody in the fan base is but you know like I said man it, it could have been a lot worse um they put him precautionarily put him on IR for the rest of the year which is completely understandable with us you know not being in the playoff hunt anymore I, I completely understand I, I don't blame them at all only a couple games left. You want guys's health going into next season is very important, but definitely with this man, you got to step back and look and, and really start evaluating your running back room and thinking, you know, what, who's going to be here in the long term? I mean, after after AP leaves, like you said, man, what, what's what's the answer? I mean, and and something that I want to say, if you're listening to this, guys, you know, if someone's lucky enough to, we're lucky enough for somebody to show this to you if you even hear this. I don't think you're injury prone, and I don't think that's an insult for somebody to call you injury prone. Some people just have bad luck. And I don't, I'm not saying you're down on yourself, and I'm not saying that you're not reliable. I mean, I mean, you were averaging the most yards in the league after contact. You know, you had that monster game last week against the Panthers and showed us what you could be. And, you know, I was 
one of the freaking draft day enthusiasts for you getting taken in the second round. I was, I absolutely freaked out when we took you from LSU, man. I loved you in college. I think you're a great player, but you know, you have to not take that personal because at the end of the day, this is a business and they have to rely on you being on the field for you to be that bell cow back for that you to be somebody they can rely on. Yeah. Cause it's like I said, I mean, Chris Thompson hasn't had a good year, like a whole like solid, healthy year, I'll say. And I mean, like I said, guys, just, you just never know. Like it's so hard coming back from that. It's not just one knee. It's both knees. He's had problems and not yeah. just NFL, but LSU. Exactly. I mean, this, this stuff kind of has a history and, you know, it kind of never really goes away. And I'm not saying that, it can't – this could be the last knee injury he ever has. And, you know, I, I hope it's the last knee injury he ever has. But, you know, when you're – when you spend as much time off the field as he has in, in, you know, his first two seasons in the league, I mean, it's definitely discouraging. And, you know, the Redskins have to think, you know, is this somebody we can rely on? And I hope – I hope that you can be. You know, like I said last week and I've said throughout the season, you've been absolutely phenomenal for the Redskins culture. I mean, you know, you've been in every title game for every other sports franchise that's flourished in the last couple of seasons. You know, you're at all the charity events. You say all the right things. You know, people can say what they want to about you, but I know you care. We know you care. But at the end of the day, man, you know, we wish you the best. But, you know, team still has to evaluate. And, you know, yeah. I, I, hope I, I feel good with Bryce Love. I, like, dead honest, I think Bryce Love will have a longer career. It's just it's yeah, and 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 yeah, I don't think that, take, that's but. not an insult to guys. That's you and I both love guys, and and yeah. and and you know we 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 are both trying to be very positive about the situation, and quite frankly, I I think that he'll recover fully from this. But at the same time, you know, we got to have players on the field, man. It's one of our biggest issues. Yeah, that's what I'm most excited about next season. Honestly, not just like draft stuff, but seeing what Bryce Love does because. I mean, like I said, we both watched him at Stanford. The guy is electric. The guy absolutely. He was my Heisman vote, no question. He broke so many records, especially in the back Pac-12, not just Stanford, but the guy. And he's a really smart, really smart kid. We'll we'll see what happens with Chris Thompson if we pick up. Uh, let's see, he's a free agent. That dude's already out of this building in my mind. I don't know why everybody's talking about him so much. I don't. Uh, he hasn't done anything like this season. I know he's. I know he's had pretty good seasons in the past, but. We like we're, we need a clean up shop, man. We got a cap increase coming next year. We have we're getting rid of Norman. We're getting rid of Reed. Hopefully, we're getting rid of freaking Trent Williams. Probably Vernon Davis as well. It's probably a lot of guys that have been here for a while. It's going to be a new era next year, man. And I hope guys and you know the guys who are going to be here for a long time are ready and healthy to go next year because I feel like this is going to be a very very different discussion this time next year. I really do. So and there's not many like running backs that excite me in the free agency. There's probably like three or four like realistically that we could get like obviously we're, we're not about to get like derrick henry like they're gonna no be... i think tennessee is gonna throw the bag at him i mean oh, yeah. yeah he's getting... you know like guys like that leave especially when they stay healthy like that like matt breda he's probably gonna stay with san francisco but there's guys like jordan howard like maybe there's... jay ajayi i was surprised we didn't take a jab at him oh you know... yeah austin eckler would be nice but there's just not much that's why like i my take was that I think we should go in the draft, even though, like, I know we don't have a second-round pick, but they're having guys like Najee Harris faults, like, the late third, fourth round, A.J. Dillon, who was a stud at Boston College, Cam Akers from Florida State. Like, there's so Yeah, many- dude, I don't feel like we're at the point now where we should panic and, you know, draft running back super high. But, I, you know, we also need to start being realistic with ourselves and realize that AP can't play forever and, you know, we need somebody on the field. But – you know, back to the game, man. Speaking of Adrian Peterson, he scored a big touchdown after a really nice drive with some big plays by Stevie Sims and Kelvin Harmon. You know, uh, Dwayne got them down in the red zone. Adrian Peterson ran it in, and 
of course, you know, what some of you would call all-pro <laughs> kicker, Dustin Hopkins, misses the field goal, and we're still down 14-6, but on the board. You know, I'm not, I was feeling hopeful. I was feeling hopeful. Like, it looked pretty rushed. Like, the hold looked pretty sloppy. I won't put it all on Hopkins, but I can't say, like, that's not, like, typical Redskins. But, hey, at least we scored, and, like, AP is coming up on 1,000 yards. I don't know if he'll hit it. It's coming a little short. But uh, he still needs, like, what, 200-something yards. He's got, like, seven-something. I can't remember the exact number, but – Shout out to AP. He's the oldest but most reliable running back we have on the team. Yeah, man, absolutely. You know, he's been pretty much the cornerstone of our offense for the last two seasons. I never thought I'd say that in 2019. I never even thought he'd be a Redskin. So. Heck no, dude. I was, I'm glad he's there. Hell yeah. But probably the most, like, unexpected, but I'll say the best play of his NFL career. Ryan Anderson, dude, he's steadily been coming up. Like, he's trending up right now. The most, like, weirdest, like, Sack fumble recovery. Oh my! I mean, he absolutely stole it from Rodgers. I was freaking out, man. I, I that was a hell of a play by him. Yeah, because they were driving like fast. That play was so good. I'd honestly consider signing him. I mean, if we're gonna sign Ryan Griffin off one good game, I mean, I feel like guys like Ryan Anderson who made a play last week, laid out Olsen, and then you know this week with the strip sack, he's 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 starting to earn his keep, man. Second round pick had a lot of criticism because you know a lot of people feel like he's not playing up to his draft grade, but. You know, shout out to Ryan Anderson, man. Dude's been in the weight room, been working his ass off, been putting himself in position to make plays, and to just take the ball from Aaron Rodgers like that, it was just almost a game. We were hoping it would be a game-breaking play. Uh, we ended up not scoring, but still, like you said, shout out to Ryan Anderson, man. Keep keep balling you know, up. You know what's crazy? Like, next year we might have a five-Alabama uh, front seven. When uh, Reuben Foster comes back, we could have him, Ryan Anderson, and Sean Deion Hamilton all three oh times. <laughs> Sean Deion Hamilton also was in a, made a couple good plays this game. Got a couple oh, pass yeah. deflections. That one was huge where, like, people saying, oh, you should have intercepted it. That, like, he was playing great zone. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're not going to catch them all, man. All four corners drop that crap all the time. So, I'm Heck, not going to beat His back was facing the pass. And for him to just turn like that and fully extend to deflect that, that was impressive. Like, yeah, I, man. And like, then, and then you know, we're in the third quarter and, and we're competing, man. You know, we're beating them in time of possession. I think we were um, beating them by a couple minutes. I think it was, like, 30 and they had, like, 28 and halfway through the third. Um, we had Dwayne Haskins for some reason – running on design run plays. Um, I, I don't know what the hell the schematics or, you know, reasoning for that was, but um, Hopkins ended up getting us on the board again. Um, so made it a nine 14. Um, I think green Bay picked up a uh, field goal at the beginning of the fourth and made it 17 to um, what was it? 17, nine. And then they kicked another one. Made it yeah. I forgot about it. It was, a, it was field goal fest, man. My notes got really spotty in the third quarter. It got kind of boring, but like I said, man, we hung around, we hung around. Yeah, and it's like that's what I'm saying. Like we would have not dug ourselves in a hole. Like right now, it could easily be a one possession game, after, even after their field goal. Like if we just we just can't dig ourselves in these holes and expect us to pull away from teams like Green Bay. And no, you just Green can't. Bay. You can't give these teams chances to make plays. Period. I mean, we were lucky that I, there was a play in the third quarter or the beginning of the fourth. I can't remember where. Rodgers overthrew Aaron Jones, who ran down the sideline, absolutely torched Landon. I mean, it was it was almost kind of like Kyle Allen last week, where you know they were they were kind of starting to beat themselves in the fourth, and you know we were within a decent amount of points to where if we you know we hit we got we got some points on the board, you know we could have caught up and it, it could have been a ball game. We never felt truly out of it till the very end, and that's one thing that I will give credit to the team for. Apparently, ever since Gruden left, we went from allowing damn near thirty points a game to allowing nineteen points a game, which is impressive against a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers for sure. Yeah, our defense is stepping up big time. Even though they start out bad, like, they – They're their... trending upward. Yeah, like, as the game goes on, they get better, even with guys falling out steadily. Like I said, Dunbar, 
Uh, Kerrigan was hurt. Fabian Monroe was banged up. So, I mean. Yeah, we were, we, were, we were playing well with those guys down against Aaron Rodgers. I, I can't really say that enough. And Simeon Thomas, he's submitted for the rest of the season for uh, drugs. PEDs, for, boy. Yeah. So And apparently Josh Norman's sick today, poor guy. Uh, uh, probably sick of being a Redskin. He has been for years. Well, he's, he saw that he might have to come back in the game. He said, oh, hell no. I'm, he's I'm like, sick. bro, I thought I, I thought I finally got out of the tunnel. I'm not going back. But, <laughs> you know, I, there was a point in the fourth quarter where I thought that we had them right where we wanted them. Like I said, Ionitis, I said earlier in the pod, Ionitis got this huge sack. Pushed them back pretty much to their own end zone. Got them to third and down. And then Aaron Rodgers with probably throw of the year. I mean, this it was third down back against the end zone. I think both teams were four for 11 on third down. So, I mean, we were in position to make a stop right here and get the ball back within one score. And Aaron Rodgers threw an absolute missile. I mean, put the ball exactly where it needed to be and got a huge first down that really kind of kept their drive alive and kind of helped them burn through most of the fourth quarter and kind of made sure that we didn't have enough time to come back. And our run D, which was good throughout most of the game, kind of let up in the fourth for sure. Um, had a huge Love. had a huge scare of a fumble recovery. I thought that Monte made play of the game. And oh, dude, yeah. God, man, I thought that was going to be the play that got us back in it. But um, Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's crazy because, like I said, Aaron, I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers, but it took a, a drive that was third and 14 from their own seven. Like, it just was trending like, all right, we're about to get the ball back. Yeah, I mean, a good, if you were going to win the game, that was the time to get the stop. Yeah. But they drained it for the clock down for like yeah, eight. Two-headed monster, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, absolutely milked the rest of the fourth quarter pretty much. Yeah, but there was some highlights in the fourth quarter as we tried to come back. I, As we can both agree, it was definitely a catch of the year. Oh, I mean, we thought it was Kelvin. I thought it was Kelvin Harmon, but I'll tell you, this this – I didn't make any noise throughout the game. Foster. Yeah, I mean, we were down 29, uh, pretty much put us in a two-minute offense. Dwayne had to march us down the field, and he got within the red zone and just threw just an abs- – he slung the ball as hard as he could between two defenders in the end zone. And Terry McLaurin, with his best Odell Beckham Jr. impersonation, makes <laughs> probably the best one-handed catch I've seen all season, probably the best catch I've seen all season. Oh, yeah. No, I would say it's definitely leading. It's the teams for sure, but there's it should be leading in the NFL. But that's one thing, like I noticed, like you said, as the game went on, Haskins definitely, like, had this, like had some zip in, the, like, his passes. It, it got there, and it got to where it needed to be, and especially that last drive. I mean, he was eating it up to Terry down the field. I think Chris Thompson caught a couple. Yeah, man. I mean, when you open the offense up and give him a chance to – you know, make reads and move the chains without running the ball and, you know, let him sling it, man. I mean, it's he, – he did it at Ohio State, and you need to give him a chance to do it at this level as well. I mean, the kid has elite arm talent. It's almost just a waste to just continuously have him handing the ball off to the running backs. I mean, I, at some point, you got to let the kid loose, man. And, I, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be with the next coaching staff, and I feel like they're going to bring in people who believe in him a lot more and probably going to open it up a lot more. But like you said, man, he showcased just elite arm talent on this drive. And like I said, this, these are really the moments where he – shows that he you know that that's the reason you took him 15th overall is because he he's capable of things like that i mean people can call it garbage time and people can say good catch bad throw whatever at the end of the day hell of a play by Dwayne, hell of a play by terry and definitely the the, the most noteworthy play of the game for sure it's just it blows my mind like we had a 95 yard drive and it was like let me see how many plays it was it was 11 plays and then this drive was eight plays and like seven yards for a touchdown we still only had four guys on our team catch the ball, and one of them was a running back. 
Yeah, I mean, coming in this drive, I mean, he was 10 for 19, 95 yards in interception. And, you know, like you said, the different receivers was definitely a factor. But, I mean, you know. And Harmon only had one catch. So, the entire game was Chris Thompson, Terry McLaurin, and Steve Sims. They're the only three that really caught passes. And they're, they're making the most of the opportunities, man. But, like you said, that's that that's kind of, that's a hell of a stat right there. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, we ended up losing. I wonder why our offense is so stagnant. But Exactly. Uh, and in our playoff hopes. 2015 the Green Bay Packers. I'm nothing to be ashamed of. We fought hard at the end. Uh, due to this, we were mathemat- We fought a three and ten. We were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs because, like I said, one of the parts of that situation was that we had to win out as well, which we knew was very going to be very tough. We had to play some good football teams down the stretch, and I think for that to come into the hands of the Green Bay Packers was no insult. I mean, good for the Packers. Good win showed why they're you know they got some hype going with them right now. And tough way, and it's never good to see or never nice to lose like that but at the end of the day man I, I it was understandable <laughs> yeah and like i said why we lost to them not like the giants to get eliminated but it's so so rest of the season we got the nfc east little stretch we got the eagles giants and then we end with the cowboys uh, like i said we're out of it but i mean we definitely still have some things we need to like check out in these last three games Evaluation is really the key word for the last couple weeks for the Washington Redskins and the rest of the season, for sure. And speaking of evaluation, it's not just the team that's being evaluated. Reports breaking out of D.C. by quote-unquote sources are stating that Bruce Allen is finally in the hot seat. I don't know how much substance there is to this, but um, like I said, apparently uh, after the game, Dan Snyder was pissed. Um, apparently, you know, there was reports prior to the game that he was being evaluated and that his job was, in, in you know, in jeopardy. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Josh? Do you feel like any of these reports have any substance to them? Do you feel like Bruce Allen will be out of the building by the end of the year? What are, what's your overall I think it's just a bunch of BS. Like, I'll say I'll say this. There's good sources and there's bad sources. We've said that we've had sources in the past, but we actually did in, like, those legit, like, stories. But, like, with this, I'm not paying attention to any of these, like, Twitter sources. The only thing that, like, I'm looking at that's interesting to me is stuff like JP was talking about and, like, how the relationship with Dan and Bruce has seemed to like go away a little bit. Like their after game stuff's a little different. Like Bruce like has been saying bye to everybody like a little differently. Like it's just, it's a little, yeah. little different now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, he was, he was at the owner's meeting. Everybody was saying he was going to be gone. We're recording on Thursday. Everybody said he was going to be gone by Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, they said that, um, and, and something that's been reported by JP and other people is that, you know, the front office has been a really a, a big factor in them not really luring in these bad head coaching candidates. And, you know, and here's the thing. Bruce Allen has been nothing more than a yes man in D.C. the last eight seasons. I mean, that's really always been. He's been moved around from general manager to executive this and vice that. I mean, he's, he's done nothing more but whisper in Dan's ear. And, and let me give you a little background on Bruce Allen here. He's a Virginia native, grad, graduated from the University of Richmond, you know, spoiled brat. Dad was George Allen Hall of Fame head coach. His brother's, I think, former governor of Virginia. I don't even remember the dude's name. Dude was a punter in high school, drafted by the Baltimore Colts. He was so bad at that that he ended up coaching like a D3 school. Then he was some sketchy Jerry Maguire sports agent. <laughs> he, he was a senior senior executive at the Raiders or whatever, some made-up position like he has in D.C. from, I think it was like 97 to 02 or something like that. Then he goes over to the freaking Tampa Bay Buccaneers, leeches off their Super Bowl winning season, replaces their longtime general manager um, right after, you know, like I said, right after they won the damn Super Bowl. And then lets players like John Lynch, now 49ers general manager who's flourishing over there and, you know, Hall of Fame defensive tackle Warren Sapp, let those guys walk because he said they want to get younger. 
And, you know, while he was in Tampa Bay, man, I mean, he was a joke over there. Five years, had a 38-42 overall record, 0-2 in the playoffs. He was there from 4 to 8 He did nothing but make them regress. Um, then he comes over to Washington, uh, pretty much gets hired along the same time Mike Shanahan does. Um, he was only the officially the general manager from 2010 to 2014. You know, they had that RG3 year. Um, I, I can say good things about that season, but I'll more than likely point out the bad. The team completely mishandled that talent, you know, traded a King's ransom to acquire a talent like Robert Griffin III and then completely, you know, let him die on the field and completely waste away his career in, in D.C. and then blame it all on him. Then, you know, they put all their stock in Kirk Cousins. And then what happens with Kirk Cousins? They can't get a deal done with him. And then what happens? He leaves. So both of the guys you invested in that draft as general manager, both of them leave the building. Scott McLaurin came, had a couple good drafts, actually showed that he was a competent GM. They made up some stupid desk pencil pushing job for Bruce to keep his stupid ass in the building. Um, ever since he's returned to power, his overall record as a general manager is 45 and 80, which is awful. Own the one in the own one in the playoffs when RG three died on the cross for our sins in 2012 against Seattle. Um, but like I said, man, you know, his overall ability to just be a yes man for Dan Snyder is really the only thing that's keeping him in this building. And even that's starting to dwindle. You know, last season we had success with uh, Alex Smith and he wanted to tell everybody we're close. He hardly speaks to the media. And when he does come into the media, he says stuff that makes it sound like he's tripping out on acid. Like the culture is damn good. You know, what's not good, Bruce, being 83 and 112 as a general manager in the National Football League. That's not good. If we're going to sit here and completely throw everyone under the bus for their performance issues let's throw you on the bus for your performance issues i mean you're the leader of personnel man you make all the big decisions we know dan has a say in this but at the end of the day it's not that i don't like you bruce i mean i don't like you either but you know this come this this doesn't come down to me having a disposition this comes down to general manager bruce allen not being good at his job plain and simple horrible record horrible with people does nothing but help dan hide from the media you know takes on the brunt of all the decision-making and does absolutely nothing with it. Don't get me wrong. He has his moments. Sometimes he makes good decisions like Terry McLaurin and vice versa. But at the end of the day, the, the, the cons totally outweigh the pros. And it's not even close, and he needs to get out of here. I mean, you look at Redskins Twitter, bro. I mean, it's it's hashtag fire Bruce Allen everywhere oh, you look. I mean, they could put puppy dies of cancer. <laughs> what, what are you going to see under it? Bruce Allen. Fire Bruce oh, Allen. That, fire Bruce Allen. Fire Bruce like Allen. Taylor stuff, and I was like, right. Yeah, dude. I mean, when when – when your hatred of the general manager of your football team just completely outweighs, you know, the remorse and, and sadness of losing a guy like Sean Taylor, that's got to be a pretty powerful yeah. thing. So that really speaks to the ineptitude and the complete lack of, you know, handling and, and, and just everything that Bruce Allen is bad at is finally taking its toll and weighing up and stacking up to the point where even Dan Snyder can't ignore it anymore. And I know you say that he's not going to get fired. I think he's gone. I think after this year, he's gone. I know that it, I'm, it's definitely one of those things that when I see it, I'll believe it. But at the same time, Dan Snyder knows that Jay Gruden was never like this viable head coaching. He was not your next Joe Gibbs, period. I mean, he was never going to be that guy. He was never going to win you a Super Bowl, and Jay knew that. And that's why that's why Bruce was so adamant to hire him because he just wanted another guy who was just going to take verbal ass whoopings from the media every week and keep losing and keep selling tickets and keep making us things are better than they are. But guess what, Bruce? Things are as bad as they can get now. You got your rookie quarterback out there. 
getting thrown under the bus with an awful roster. I, I could sit here and, and just list all of his shortcomings, so I'm blue in the face, and I feel like I've already wasted a lot of time on it. But at the end of the day, Bruce Allen, I feel like your day is numbered, and I hope they are for our freaking sanity because I feel like this team is never going to get back to where they were. We're never going to have the Hogs. We're never going to go back to the glory days until you are out of the building. I feel like someone can come in and change Dan's mind and build a culture, but as long as you're there to keep bringing him down and, and showing that you guys are completely comfortable with mediocrity and, and, and you just want to live there, someone's going to come in and be special. And I feel like someone can could definitely change Dan's mind before they could ever change Bruce's. Bruce has yeah, to go. It's like period. the main thing to me, like you said, not just – the culture sucks and like fans like giving up, but like the business decisions have been so bad. It's put us in bad spots. He's not even winning off the field. God knows we're not winning on the field. And like, it's crazy because you see teams like the giants, like their GM's been there for like two years and they're like trying to get rid of him. They're trying to get rid of head coach Pat Schirmer already. Like they're cleaning up shop and like, we're so hesitant for everything, but like we're begging for it. Yeah. We're begging for it. And you know, guys like Bruce, are stopping guys like Eric Bellamy from being our next head coach. I mean, anybody. Like, no one wants to come here. I mean, to me, my definitely my, my front runner, my favorite for, to be the next head coach of Washington Redskins is totally Eric Bellamy. He's the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs, uh, nine-year NFL running back. Um, he was running back coach in Colorado. Um, he's got some links in the Redskins organization as well. Uh, he coached AP in Minnesota. He was running back coach over there when he was having his, you know, campaign season going off. He's been in Kansas City ever since 2013 with Andy Reid. And when you're on a coaching staff with Andy Reid, man, I know you know how to coach offense. I know you know how to take players. And, you know, like I said, he has experience with Adrian Pierce. He has with Alex Smith as well. You know, so, I mean, he's already got ties to this organization. And he, and we know that he is competent and, and scoring points. And that is the Redskins' biggest issue right now, scoring points. And they know how to use their personnel over there. They got Damian Williams looking like, you know, an all-pro running back. And they're putting everybody where they need to be. And, and they're one of the best offenses in the NFL, and they have been statistically ever since Andy Reid and Andy and all of them have been the coaching staff over there. So I would love for him to come over here, work with Dwayne, and, and you know, get something going, man, because we need a guy like that in our locker room. But people like Bruce Allen are stopping It's that. It's funny because I think what's going to end up happening is the most, like, anticlimactic thing. I don't see him getting fired. I see him just, like, stepping down eventually. Yeah, I mean, honestly, out of all those options, of him getting fired, him uh, stepping down or – you know, vice versa. What you 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 probably see that as the most viable yeah, option too, correct? Right? Yeah, I, I don't do. see him For getting sure. fired. I think he'll step down because, like, I mean, not just the pressure from the fan base, but I just don't think Dan wants to actually fire him. But like, this is his chance to like have some kind of like balls, but he's not going to do it. Like, so we haven't. He's not going to do it. Him period. It's like Joe Gibbs. Yeah, I mean, but you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, you know, shout out to Junior Gallette. You know, guest on the pod, go check out that pod. It's great. I love having him on the show. He was tweeting that, you know, he had heard from his sources that, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, and that, you know, Bruce's days are numbered. And, I mean, J.P. Finley even responded to him. And J.P. sees plenty of false reports and, and, and shoots them down. But even he was saying, oh, man, you're breaking news, trying to take my job. So, I mean, I feel like he's he's on his farewell tour. I feel like he'll be out of the building. And I feel like that will be the day that we turn a page and we start a new chapter for the Washington Redskins and we finally get somebody in office that can finally do the damn job and do it right. And I think that my front runner for that position is, and most people front runner for that position is totally Lewis Riddick. I mean, he's somebody that's been in the Redskins building before. He's been in the NFL, played for thing for about eight years. Um, I already love him because he was anti-Kirk Cousins. Um, he knew Kirk didn't want to be here. I think ever since he hasn't been a part of the Redskins organization, he's been very adamant 
and, and spoken a lot for them. You know, he, he, he was very vocal about how he felt about, you know, the Redskins mishandling Dwayne Haskins and how he felt like they were sabotaging him. And that was when a lot of Redskins fans kind of started hopping on the hype train for him to DC. And I'll tell you one thing, if Mike Mayock can talk himself into a job, why can't Lewis Riddick? Yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, I don't know how I feel about him. I sure as hell don't want Chris Coley or Dan. Yeah, let's go ahead and yeah, set the damn record straight on that right yeah, now. No, I don't, I don't want Chris Coley. I don't want Danzo Hall. Like, I saw that and right away. I was like, hell no. Like, yeah, Chris Cooley, Mr. Hate Haskins, and D'Angelo. I feel like some players are just not far enough removed from their career yet to really be in a management role like Hall. And people people are talking about Alex Smith. I I mean, I, I feel like a lot of people don't really understand how the management role works and how, you know, NFL players really don't have any experience in that field. But, I mean, Riddick has. He was with the team before. He was on the Redskins scouts for about four seasons. He was promoted to a player personnel director of that um he wasn't fired his contract was expired we let him go but he was here when Gibbs was here man he was here when things were good and you know we had a culture and you know things were good in DC I mean they weren't Super Bowl good but I mean definitely the state of the team at that time was a hell of a lot better than it is now I mean he evaluated talent uh handled free agency and trades um he ended up going to Philly and then he got he's had the job at ESPN since like early 2010s but I think um, the thing that people are, like, intrigued the most about is how, like, John Lynch just went to the 49ers and he's just been killing it since he got there. Like, and people are like, oh, well, like, I think Alex Smith would do the same thing. I don't know. Like, I'm not saying he would do bad, but I just don't. I just – I think out of all the options I'm seeing, Lewis Riddick makes the most sense. I mean, you got a lot of people saying Kyle Smith and Eric and everybody else, but I mean, I really don't care for any of the people that are in the building right now. I kind of want to get a new guy in there because – one of the one of the parts of the reports that are that are being leaked is reportedly that Dan Snyder wants everybody to be on the same page about Dwayne Haskins. He doesn't want any dilemmas. He wants somebody that believes in him. He wants somebody that's going to build talent around him. And I do feel like that's vital. And I don't really blame Dan for feeling that way. And I feel like Lewis Riddick, you know, who's outright publicly spoken for Haskins, is is probably a good candidate. And if not Riddick, I mean, where do you really – who would you want to be the next general manager to watch the Redskins? I mean, Josh? I don't know. I've been bouncing around with it. I wouldn't mind, like, an outside hire. Like, obviously, it just depends on who. But, I mean, Kyle Smith wouldn't be too bad. Like, I know he's, like, had some good drafts. And he's – I mean, a lot of people don't know he's the director of college scouting. So, I mean, we've had a couple of good last drafts that kind of, like, helped push him up. But – I don't know. Like, how do you feel about uh, Doug Williams? Like, I know he's, he, he plays a big part in, like, player personnel. Dude, I, I like Doug Williams. I think he's a player's guy. I think he's and, really know, smart he's with the players. Like I said, just, oh. Yeah, I just – I'm not a big fan of keeping all these guys who are already in-house and, and promoting them because, I mean, it's not working. I mean, I, I think that we're in a complete need of an overhaul. I feel like not only do – a lot of players need to go, but a lot of people in that front office need to go so that people can feel like that they're coming into a new team next year and that, you know, they're not going to get more of the same old shit that people have come to expect from the Redskins. You know what I'm saying? I don't know, especially with the head coaching coming up. Like, that's that's where, like, it's going to be a huge part in who we do hire. I mean, because people aren't going to want to come. Like, uh, McCarthy already said he's not interested. We've got freaking um, – God, what's his name from Stanford? Uh, yeah, Shaw. Shaw is saying he doesn't want to come, and he he's like five and seven to Stanford right now. So when you have a losing head coach, yeah, I mean Eric, I, I mean to me Eric is definitely the front runner, and he has not said yeah. no. Oh. I think that he's a lot. That you're not gonna hear people say this, but there are coaches around the league that see Dwayne and know he's being handled poorly, and they want to coach the kid up. I mean, I saw somebody say um, Eric for head coach and uh, Rex Ryan for DC. I wouldn't be mad yeah. about that. I but I know one thing. Head coach. 
Yeah, dude, I would too. I said, believe me, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, my bad, guys. I'm I'm a little bit tired. It's been a long day. Um, but anyway, you know, next week, um, we got a pretty much nothing game for us, but this means everything to the Philadelphia Eagles. And lately, uh, I think it's safe to say it's not always sunny in Philadelphia. God, no, dude, they're <laughs> slowly falling apart. Oh my God, Carson Wentz is throwing the cameraman at this point. I mean, it's yeah, awful. They're, they're somehow second place in the NFC East. Yeah, that's a miracle. I don't understand how they squeaked out a last minute, last second OT win um, against the Undertaker <laughs> resurrected um, Eli Manning, who came out of absolutely nowhere. Which they um, were losing that game. Like how they how did that win? it was like fourteen to three, twenty to three at one point. I think uh, I mean Twitter. I was at work, but I heard everybody was just laughing their asses off at the Eagles. I mean, don't get me wrong, man. I feel for Wentz. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey is like a injury prone giraffe. Deshaun Jackson's hurt. Um, the only player he can really rely on is Zach Ertz, and you can't throw at him every damn play. But apparently the Giants forgot he existed. I mean, that damn touchdown to win the game. My God, he was by himself. Yeah, I mean. Speaking of Eli Manning, um, going to go ahead and give the random drug test of the week to Pierre Garçon for tweeting, Eli Manning to the Redskins this offseason. What the hell is wrong no, with you? I, that's t- like, he's done. Like Seek help. Please, seek help. Um, But the Philadelphia Eagles, um, 16th in the league overall on offense. Um. Carson Wentz, for the first time since the origination of the planet, is healthy. Um, they have a completely, like we said, depleted wide receiving core. Um, they're down to freaking Whiteside and our very own Robert Davis, who everybody's acting like was an all-pro receiver for us for so- or something. Dude's practice squad at best, caught one touchdown against one of the worst teams in the NFL in the preseason. Calm down, guys. Um, if there's anybody I'm concerned about, it's the Redskins killer, Zach Ertz. We have never known how to cover that man, and I don't think we're going to start well, on Well, that's all they have. Like, Alshon Jeffrey's done. We'll still find a way to not cover him. I'm, I'm we telling should you. legit triple team him because, I mean, here they're about to throw to. There are only receivers left, like you said. They have uh, Robert Davis. I've never even heard of Boston Scott. Josh Perkins. <laughs> Who the hell is that? Greg Jesus. Ward Jr. He was a cor- – that was a quarterback from Houston. What the hell is he doing at- Oh, Greg Ward Jr. I think Greg Ward Jr. was also in the AAF. So they got dudes that weren't even playing in the NFL last year lined up. Their defense is still, you know, maybe not on paper, but maybe not real life, but on paper, they're still pretty stout. They got Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett. Um, they still got a lot of the, a lot, a lot like the Denver team we were talking about earlier. They still got a couple guys that were, if they want to get hot, they got players that can make plays, man. They got a pretty good running back core. Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, rookie. Jay Ajayi, who was there during the Super Bowl run. Um, they're very – this is probably the most – had we won the Packers game um, and still been still been in the hunt since the Cowboys got murdered by Mitch Trubisky on live television, um, if, if this was a, you know, a game that actually meant something, I'd like our chances, to be honest with you. And I like our chances now. But I'm definitely not as emotionally invested in it as I would be if it were, you know, we still had a chance to make play. Yeah, I mean, I definitely want to win this one just because I hate the Eagles and it feels – I absolutely despise them. Their fans are trash. Everything about them is trash. Uh, uh, Lori's a good dude. Uh, I think uh, Doug Pedersen's a great coach. Another guy from the Chiefs that you know left that uh, left that coaching room and really turned himself into something. You know, probably won one of the most improbable games against the uh, New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. So I mean, you know, they they got a good culture over there. But like I said, they're depleted. They're weak right now, and they need this win to keep up with the Cowboys going into that showdown for the NFC East, and probably think in the next week or two. But um, as for the Redskins and the Eagles, uh, what's your prediction, Josh? I think we're going to win this one, dude. Like, I legit think so. I mean, they don't have – they're probably not going to have Lane Johnson. They're probably going to be down Jalen Mills. Jordan Howard's banged up. Aguilar's out, more than likely. Alshon Jeffrey's shut down. Like, I don't know. Like, This is Dwayne's big yeah, game. Like, 
this oh, is it. This, 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 this is ha- it. This is a test for. This shows us exactly what the defense is, and this shows us exactly what our offense looks like because this is as depleted as an Eagles team as I can remember. Um, uh, yeah, in recent memory. I'll for say, sure. hmm, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say, man, I feel good about this. So I'm gonna say like twenty. 28. No. Oh, God, I thought, I thought we were going to be close. I, I'm tempted to say 31 Redskins, but I'm going to play. Oh, geez. I was going to say 20 Redskins equals 17. I think we're going to win this on the last second field goal. But I'll I, say, I, I just think that Dwayne is going to have a really good stat line, and, and I think we're going to win. I'll do sure. 20. I'll do 24 20. All right. Yeah, I like That's that not. stat line, too. So, me and Josh feeling really good about the game, guys. Uh, like I said, pretty morally defeated. Redskins team coming into this game and you know we definitely hurt our morale a little bit losing this one but you know like I said man uh Callahan you know definitely not going to be here next year but you know he's definitely put this team in a way better position and made our podcast a lot better edging out the rest of the season and I feel like we've got a lot more talking points than we did at the beginning of the year I I was just thinking about you know just the difference between this this time us facing Philly and then the last time we faced Philly in week one it just feels like a completely almost different season I mean we're both completely different teams I'd say the Eagles were better then and I'd say we're getting better slowly but uh Ertz has 827 catches five touchdowns I mean 827 yards on in five touchdowns on 80 catches and McLaurin has almost more than that on almost half the catches he has 700 uh, yards six touchdowns Oh yeah, Terry. Terry's gonna eat. He's having at least a hundred. Oh, dude, no, no, no question. I, I'm about definitely that. starting him in my fantasy. <laughs> oh yeah, no question. Uh, speaking of fantasy, how you looking going into these final two weeks? I'm actually seven and seven in both of my leagues, and I'm facing absolute juggernauts in both of my leagues in the fantasy playoffs. No, I'm this definitely week. not in the playoffs. Like I'm bad, dude. But I had like a good team, but I never started the right guys. Like every week, my bench would be popping. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Dude, I was morally defeated earlier this week um i actually like half my damn team is like killed itself basically um i had all sean jeffrey pretty much go to ir marvin jones go to ir like i'd go freaking pick up aj brown and, and he's they're Slate both killing it though. like those are, if they're available those are huge pickups like i'm surprised you got aj brown especially yeah i mean i i got enough to keep me above water i'm facing against a guy i beat in the championship game last year and he's Licking his chops. He's got Lamar Jackson. He's pretty much got all the top-tier performers. So, I think going into this week, I've got the sleeper lineup USA. So, like I said, I got Darius Slayton, A.J. Brown, um, starting Jimmy G over Aaron Rodgers. Call me crazy. Um, Philip Lindsay, Saquon Barkley, Noah Font, Kareem Hunt, also the Browns kicker in the Seahawks defense. Like I said, I lost Mike Evans, Alshon Jeffrey, and um, who else? I, yeah, I lost another big wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lost all of them in one weekend so it's gonna be it's gonna be an uphill battle hopefully i can uh go back to back like drake would say um hopefully i can get another dub but we'll see fantasy football is crazy you can't predict it it's kind of just like controlled chaos but yeah guys totally tweet us your fantasy football matchups and got need any advice just tweet me at parker hamlet at josh taylor um i know he's out of it and i'm hardly in it but you know we'll try to help you guys out with that something we haven't really talked about much this year but we definitely like it's like we say every single week we love you guys we love tweeting at you like i said shout out heather uh, we actually haven't really done a proper like shout out list. We probably need to do that next week. We got a lot of people throughout the year who've been really supportive of the Burgundy Breakdown podcast, and we're very thankful for you guys. And you know, just keep up. You know, we're growing as a podcast, and we're we love every second of it. We try to make time for you guys as well. So, like I said, just tweet us 
at Burger underscore breakdown on Twitter, uh, Instagram. Got a lot of followers on there recently. Shout out to you guys. Um, TikTok, everything you can think of, we got it except for Facebook because my parents and y'all's parents probably don't care about the pod, but we'll, 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 we'll give it a shot. <laughs> my, my grandpa doesn't have a smartphone. Yeah, we'll, we'll try. We'll try one day. No, definitely shout out to Heather. She's, she's my favorite follow. But uh, she knows what the heck she's talking about. She always backs me up, so I know what I'm saying. But uh, definitely enjoy talking to y'all on Twitter. Yeah, next week we'll we'll do a little bit of a better job of shouting you guys out since the end of the, we're kind of rounding out to the end of the season. So we'll 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 do a kind of uh, in conclusion for the year, maybe a top tens. We're not sure yet, you know. But we're kind of running out of things to talk about now that the season's over and everybody's getting hurt. It's we're we're gonna break it down for you guys the best for Billy. We're always gonna do that, no pun intended. But you know, like I said, you know, anything you any suggestions, ideas, you know, we did the Burgundy Breakdown Bowl. Um, anything. You, just tweet us, guys. We're always here. Josh is always available. I, I'm available as too when I can be. So just hit us up. Yeah, we'll definitely do a lot. Like I said, the season's ending pretty fast. But, uh, I mean, I think we should still, like, follow some postseason stuff, make, like, predictions in the playoffs. And, yeah, like, I mean, we something that I, I feel like people wouldn't mind is probably hearing our takes on other teams and other stuff's going on in the NFL. And once yeah. we have a lot less to talk about, I, I, we're, we definitely still plan on bringing you guys a burgundy breakdown after the Redskins season's over with for sure. So don't worry about that. A little, little Super Bowl pod would be cool. Oh, but yeah, uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this week. Anything in addition, Josh? Nope, just ready to beat these Eagles, man. Hell yeah, hell. So we'll uh, hit y'all up. Let us know y'all's predictions on Twitter because I think we all can. Hashtag agree. Fire Bruce Allen. I would. I think it's. I don't think it's. I don't think he's gonna fire. I think he's gonna step down like soon. Like That's I think fine. he still loses his job. As long as he's out of the office, I don't care if he falls out of it, trips out of it, but <laughs> trips out. I'm fine with it. But this has been The Breakdown. HTTR. Had to take a quick halftime break to tell y'all a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast, so let me explain. It is absolutely free, and they give you the creation tools that you need that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast and many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast right away with no minimum on listenership and is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app like I did or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now back to the second half of the episode. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.